Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Lisa Kellerman McLean of Build a Body Personal Training, coming to you from Akron, Ohio. Lisa, what's going on? How are you? Hey, welcome. Nice to meet you, Joe. Nice to meet you as well. Lisa, I'm excited to dive into this business. I'm excited to pick your brain um, because you are no newbie to the fitness industry. This is really a career thing for you. Talk to us a little bit about how we got here, right? What made you want to open up your own business and, and when did this all start? Well, it started when I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was working full-time at a management company. They, um, uh, I was working very much full-time and in my very spare time, every little spare time I had, I was going to the gym and training people. And I finally realized that my dream of teaching people to jet ski was not going to fly in Ohio. <laughs> so mm. I decided all my spare time was being held in the gym. So I decided to get certified in personal training and start my own business. Okay. Um, I, it, when it's was a all funny this? Story. It's a funny story that um, when I first started working out, I set a super low New Year's resolution goal of 20 minutes, one time a week. And I got in the gym, started working out, learning exercises. Uh, three months later, um, I'm in the shower washing up and I touched my shoulder and it was as hard as a rock. And I thought, wow, this works. And I was hooked from that point on. Yeah. And, and so it's been quite some time, right? You've been over in the training years. space for, yeah, over, over two decades and now have been a business owner for a long time. Talk to us a little bit about the service as it exists now, because it's expanded beyond just one-on-one -on -one personal training, correct? Correct. We do completely private one-on-one -on -one personal training, which sets us apart from gyms, because we are not a gym, we're a pro professional personal training business. And we have five different areas within the facility where we keep the doors shut and it's me and my client or one of my trainers and their client or clients for small group personal training. Shut the doors, totally private, no intimidation. Um, we do have clients that are over 400 pounds and they don't want to be seen exercising. So we are a safe facility for them to come for personal training. We do also do, like I said, the small group personal training. And then we have group fitness classes as well in a large group training area where we run a lot of silver sneakers classes along with other general fitness classes. Yeah, and so a number of different services, right? We talk about personal training, um, and but we can only serve a, a limited window of people if we're just exclusively one-on-one. -on -one. So you guys have layered on other options in order to help you help more people, right? At the Correct. end of the day, that's what we're here to do. Within all of this, Lisa, within the entire umbrella of Build a Body, how many members or how many clients do we serve? We don't have any members. We don't have any contracts or agreements. Um, okay. People come in for a free orientation, no pressure. I show them our portfolio, um, show them the different options of what we have to offer. 
and then they can ask questions um, and I show them a lot of testimonials that we have and they can ask questions see the facility meet some of the trainers and then decide on their own I give them hints and tips at finding a trainer because mm -hmm. a lot of gyms will hire a personal trainer that is somebody who enjoys lifting heavy things and doesn't have the science behind it yep yeah and so from from the business perspective, I want to pick your brain on this because a lot of personal training studios will hire PTs as employees or they'll go the opposite route and bring them in as 1099s and kind of a barbershop, they pay a rent kind of model. What are you, how, how are these people working? Yes, mine are 1099s and they pay rent on the equipment that they use. So they pay a monthly fee um, for renting my equipment and then they train as many clients as I can give them. Oh, okay. And so the training revenue, is that going to the business or are they selecting their own rates? And no, going it goes to, to the business. It's all set in my rates. I see. Okay, good. And so bring us in a little bit on that decision then why the 1099 route versus employees what what was the the logic behind that i did have employees and with trying to build the business um, i found it very expensive to pay for benefits and other things um, you know job and family services and all of that it was um, more expensive for me for the amount of hours that they were putting in so i chose the 1099 route and have some pretty good trainers that are very dedicated to the business. We also have a lot of clientele that have been training for over 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, there's pros and cons. Of course, there's pros and cons to everything. You chose to go this way. It's worked pretty well for you. Did you ever consider going any other route with the employment structure? Yes, I would if uh, the business grows to more to the point of what I'm hoping for. And what does that bring us in on that decision, that, <laughs> that goal, really? Well, I'd like to continue to grow and help the community. I'm very involved in our community. We're actually, we're okay. located in Akron, but um, Green is the city that is our actual location um, sure. address. So, but okay. the mailing address is Akron, Ohio. Um, so the city of Green, Got I'm it. involved a lot with the city of Green. I do a lot of programs for them and local businesses, local corporate businesses. Um, and so to grow and be the number one personal training facility in the city of Green mm. would be awesome. Understood. And so um, Lisa, you mentioned a couple of services. We've got one-on-one -on -one training, we've got small group training, and we've got a little bit larger group training. Mm -hmm. Which Classes. of those do you think you could grow the most? Where, I guess, where is your focus? What are we trying to grow? The personal training is um, is our bread and butter, for sure. Okay. And um, I think it's because of the private, completely private, one-on-one -on -one personal training. That's our bread and butter. Uh, everybody likes the private. They don't want anybody else in the studio with them, and they can't find it anywhere else. So that's a big niche. Um, I get most of my business from word of mouth. Um, and and it's I, I advertise twice a month in one local paper, a little small ad just twice a month and everything else is my website, the internet, um, different fit tips that I send out on social media and um, okay. word of mouth from our clients. That's the biggest one. Yeah. 
word of mouth and, and social media is kind of a natural extension to word of mouth at this point. It makes it really easy to spread the word, to share, to create posts, to tag your members, X, Y, Z, other ways that we can get people involved. You mentioned word of mouth being the main lead generator for you. Absolutely. Have you considered utilizing the social media side? And you said that you put some money into a local newspaper. Have you considered putting some money behind the social media side of things and advertising there? I have, and I do. I use a, a okay. company that helps me with my digital marketing. And I just recently started using them within the last six months. Um, obviously, it takes a little bit of time. I am getting more and more uh, hits and, and people viewing my website. Um, and of course I post on social media every week, I put out a fit tip of the week. That's a one paragraph blurb about how to exercise while you're driving in your car or tips at making you think you're eating more than you actually are. And um, just a helpful quick read, one minute read um, every Sunday. And if I forget to send that out, my clients all are contacting me. <laughs> my phone yeah. blows up. Yeah. <laughs> They'll hold you accountable. And so you, you've used social media and you said that we started working with a digital agency, at least in the last six months. It sounds like it's been slow to pick up, but you have higher hopes for it. Is that right? Correct. And I know with advertising, it does take a while. For things to work, it has to take. It, you need consistency. Hmm. So I'm willing to yep. go the long haul and and try it out, you know, for a year plus, and see how it works. But um, I am getting more awareness out there. Okay, well, I mean, take us to the next step, Lisa. Obviously, we need to generate leads, but leads are just leads. They're not really meaningful to the business until they convert into paying customers, and so. What's the, what's a typical sales process look like? Who is, who is handling that in your business and what is it experience like from the client's perspective? Um, what I do is if somebody contacts me, um, I tell them to come in for a free, no pressure orientation. I show them our, our portfolio, show them the facility, introduce them to trainers and show them all the forms and how deeply we delve into their health and wellness. We talk about their goals, I tell them that every time they'll, they train, they will be doing something different. It's never going to be the same program twice, but we base it upon their individual fitness goals. I also tell them that we do fitness assessments so they stay safe because I've been training 26 years. And, and when somebody walks in the door, no matter what they look like, I cannot tell their fitness level until I test them. So I assess them. Um, we have an eight page document actually that we use and do a thorough assessment, and then we can get involved into their actual personal training programs. Um, I help mm -hmm. them find also other trainers. I tell them, hey, if we're the place for you, great. I, it's no pressure. But um, most of the time when people come in for that orientation and they see the portfolio and the science behind what we do, um, then they usually sign up. Yeah. Yeah. And so once we get people through the doors, they're pretty well sold, right? We have a good idea whether this is for them or it's not for them. Correct. Talk to us about the future of this, Lisa. You mentioned the goal being becoming the number one personal training provider in Akron. Mm -hmm. How big is that? What is the, what is the grand vision for you in terms of growing this business? 
Well, we have the five areas for personal training. I would love to have five trainers training all day long from 5 a.m. until whenever. Um, it would be wonderful to have my trainers become full-time and not part-time. I'm full-time for sure. I'm more than full-time. But um, I also own the business. So um, it'd be nice to have other trainers who are training with me up at the studio all the time, all day long. Yeah. And so five with, what is that? Eight, 10 clients in a day. Is that kind of the goal? Um, I train at least 10 a day, six days a week. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. So a lot of growth, a lot of potential here. Lisa, I mean, we talk about growing a business. We talk about figuring out how to increase revenue and, and maximize profitability. What's your why behind that? Obviously, everybody, I've never spoken to anyone who's not okay with making more money. That's silly. But what's, what's the bigger purpose for this for you? What are we trying to grow this business for? Uh, this is my passion. It really is to help people. Yeah. And, and so just in, in, a, in the grand scheme, how can we help as many people as possible? Is that right? Correct. So we do That's... corporate clients, like I mentioned before. Um, we train at our studio. We train outside of the studio. We train at businesses. I do different events. Um, in the city of Green, we do um, something called the Bulldog Dash. It's a one-mile fun run and a um, 5K. And I warm up. I've been warming up thousands of people for that event every single year. So we've done the Dragon Dream Team warm-ups for big events like the dragon boating and things. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, just making an impact on the community. Yeah. Well, that, that's really, I mean, when we talk about success, gym owners typically aren't people that want to sit back and drink mimosas on the beach and drive a new Ferrari. Typically, gym owners, any kind of money that they're making is reinvested into the community, right? Correct. Poured back into their clientele. How do we upgrade the facility? How do we get nice, shiny new equipment? How do we throw parties for our clients? How do we provide value in other ways beyond the training? It sounds like that's really the focus for you. Is that right? Yeah. And we do something every quarter um, called Beautiful You Spa Day. And I bring in different practitioners and, and estheticians to provide services for my clientele. Um, we do meditation, reflexology, facials and skincare, massage. Um, we have shopping with different vendors come in and it's run like a whole spa day from 10 to three every quarter, mostly, well, all women-based. It's all women business owners who are trying to grow their businesses. Yeah, and that's, I mean, like we said, those are the kinds of things that you can do when we have a successful business. But at the end of the day, this is still a business and, and money in versus money out is important. And if there's more money leaving than coming in, we can't do those types of things. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. Lisa, this is, this has been a bunch of fun and I always enjoy the chance to kind of dig through gym owners mindsets and see what makes them tick and, and how they're able to do what they do and why. I really appreciate your time, but before we wrap this whole thing up, where can people find out a little bit more about this? Do you have a website? 
I do. It's www.buildabodypt, as in personaltraining.com. They can go on there. They can take a look at free events that I do all over the community. Um, they can see our classes. Um, they can see some of the offerings that we have, not only the one-on-one -on -one personal training, small group personal training, and group fitness classes. We also do um, one-time training sessions with coaches who are dedicated to working out at their school's gym. And they'll come in. I'll give them a program. We'll do a workout. They'll get pictures, exercise name, and descriptions. And then they take that to the school where they coach, and they can do that program for the next month then they can come back another month later. So we have things like that too, extra little add-ons that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Our number is 330-361-9199. Again, it's Build a Body Personal Training. There you go. Lisa, this has been awesome. I, I, I think you're doing important work here and it sounds like you're certainly not done. It sounds like you still have a lot that you want to tack on. So We'll have to check in with you and we'll have to see how things go for you in the future. How does that sound? Sounds great. Thank you so much, Joe. All right. This has been on Lisa. Thank you. Tim tuned in. Thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Wolfpack Fitness in Pasco, Washington. Sarah Howell, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Dom, thank you for having me on the show. I am super pumped. You, uh, you're definitely bringing a unique point of view on a, on a couple of things with us here today. So we're going to try to get to as much as we can. Let's jump right in. Tell me about Wolfpack Fitness, what you're all about. Um, Wolfpack Fitness is a fitness for boxing um, gym. I combined hit style um, functional fitness intervals with traditional boxing intervals. Um, I come from an MMA background. Um, I was a professional MMA fighter at the time I was running my gym and my gym has really evolved over the last six years that I've been open as my life evolved as a mother, a wife, a business owner, a fighter. Um,
Welcome to the Gym Awards podcast. We talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Wolfpack Fitness in Pasco, Washington, Sarah Howell. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dom. Thank you. How are you? I, I'm doing great. I, uh, I know you're in the middle of a, a wild freak snowstorm over there, and I appreciate you making the best out of it for us. So um, let's hop into it. Give us the lowdown. What's Wolfpack Fitness all about? Um, Wolfpack Fitness is currently a boxing for fitness gym, um, which boxing for fitness is traditional boxing intervals with combined with um, hit style strength training. So my gym has really evolved a lot over the last six years. Um, I opened it as like a MMA kickboxing studio in 2015. Um, and I was fighting uh, professionally in MMA at the time, training fighters, cornering fighters, and as my kids got older and my life changed a lot, you know, kids from being home all day, then to in school, then to sports themselves, it's very demanding being at the gym, you know, during those hours. And um, by the time that COVID hit in 2020, I was really struggling, really burnt out being the only coach. I had suffered some injuries that were keeping me from fighting. And, um, you know, during the shutdown, I really started looking to find a way to duplicate trainers, find a consistent um, training program that I loved and I could implicate into my gym, um, implement, excuse me, into my gym. And I was able to find a training protocol that um, I adopted and it's been awesome. So now I'm, I'm completely hands-off from coaching. I'm able to spend time with my family. I had surgery that I needed on my foot and ankle to recover from some injuries and um, just been able to run my gym remotely. And the uh, Boxing for Fitness has been a huge success as um, being able to basically uh, revamp Wolfpack, making it a Boxing for Fitness gym versus a MMA training gym. And at what point was it that that transition to the Boxing for Fitness happened? Um, it was over COVID, over shutdown. Okay. So that was that was fairly recent. So yes, yep. As as far as you know, equipment in the gym, logistics, memberships, like what what were some big things that you had to change to adopt to that training methodology versus what you were before? Well, one thing I did was um, create ten stations. So each station has its own heavy bag hanging from the ceiling. It has an adjustable bench for like incline, flat bench, um, you know, seated, a kettlebell, adjustable kettlebell, adjustable dumbbells, um, an adjustable bar, um, a slam ball, a set of TRX straps. So essentially I only have 10 members um, at a time. Classes are maxed out at 10 people per class. Everybody has their own um, stations. That was partly put in play to promote a more sanitary and less COVID zone, um, which really, in my opinion, um, nothing changed there, but it was good promotion. If anybody was worried or something about that, you weren't sharing equipment or, or you were in a space that had six feet around um, before the next station. 
So that was useful in accommodating the government's requirements, but also making sure that everybody had their own equipment and nobody was sharing equipment. Um, and so that's that's really the biggest change that I made. Like similar to a CrossFit class, you walk in, everybody has their own their own barbell, their own kettlebell, whatever they're using, their own row machine, um, unless the class is too full and you're sharing that. That's kind of how the hit stations are set up. And then everybody has their own heavy bag um, when it comes into the boxing parts of the class. Okay, so yeah, you really switched over to like a, a fully modular, um, you know, I guess uh, station-based system, which yeah, I guess would would appease a lot of the COVID regulations, but also just just really change the way you could run a class, have um, have different session capacity, but not have have to be moving things all around and rearranging based on what was going on. Like the programming had to shift with it also, right? So that you could accommodate this and, um, you know, have your different clients with different ability levels to be able to come in and, and hit those stations on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I mean, we had a MMA cage and the, the facility was fully matted before. I mean, we took all of that out. Um, I really, went away from MMA or anything combat to more of a fitness-based approach because that was, you know, 98% of my members anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's similar to like a CrossFit gym, CrossFit box promoting just for people who did CrossFit competitions or were going to the games. You know, um, I really started marketing to people who just wanted to do CrossFit for fitness. In my case, it's boxing for fitness, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we talked about off the air is, is, you know, when it comes to promoting marketing, things like that, you are the person you handle that all for your gym, right? You don't outsource it at all. Um, I have, I do have GoDaddy helping me, um, post some ads and boost some posts. They, they came in at, at um, New Year's and they cleaned up like my um, Google, Yelp, um, those reviews and stuff like that. So I am currently getting a little bit of help there. Um, and then I use um, PushPress for my back office end. Mm -hmm. And I, am, I use Grow PushPress, which is another, um, I guess it's kind of a marketing tool, but they just put to my website, they put my um, chat widget and um, some other things that help me promote um, new members and just basically leads that I can follow up with. So I do have a little bit of help marketing. Okay, yeah, I, uh, I love the guys over at Push Press. They make a good product and they're the good support staff over there, a bunch. Bunch of good guys. That's that's for sure. So cool to hear that you're doing that. As far as the the messaging, the marketing goes, when you switched, you know, the style of programming, the layout of the gym, all that, um, did it take um, any type of adaptation on your part to try to repurpose your messaging to try to get that out there to people? Social media, things like that. Was there any sort of adaptation period for you? Yeah, um, you know, prior I was doing all of my own marketing, my own social media ads and, and stuff like that. And so I have, um, having GoDaddy's help on that has been a little bit um, an area that I had to change some things and learn and adapt and grow. Um, 
it's not being there has been hard for me being more hands-off and, um, you know, having coaches, uh, you know, let me know of like an issue that came up or, you know, and then wishing that it's just, it's hard to learn to be, um, not in complete control. It's, it's been a major switch going from being like a, a lead trainer and coach at my gym to now learning to coach the coaches. That's been, I guess, the biggest adaptation on my end. Yeah. And it's been since uh, sometime in January, since you've been physically in the gym involved in any of the operations. Is that right? Yes, correct. I've, I've, I've held a few meetings for my trainers, um, but that's it. I haven't coached a class. I've um, because of my surgery, I haven't been able to participate in classes, which is, I can't wait. I get my boot off Wednesday, this Wednesday, and I'll be able to go in and modify some things. I don't know how much or how little I'll be able to do, but I do before I leave, um, in the end of May, I, do, I cannot wait to get back to working out. I'm like chomping at the bit, but, um, I will be attending some classes that way, but a lot of the new members, um, don't even know who I am and I'm going, I plan on keeping, you know, my identity. I, I don't, I don't want uh, the coaches to feel any added pressure with me being there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, being remote, um, even though you're you're in town, but like acting as if uh, you're ready or preparing to to move across the country, uh, it does pose some unique challenges, some some different things. So we talked about the the marketing promotion side of that, and you'll be you'll be able to still you know interact with with GoDaddy or Push Press or or anybody like that, or if you decided you were going to run you know, marketing campaigns, Facebook, Instagram, Google, TikTok, that's all stuff that you can, you can do remotely there still. So that in and of itself shouldn't be a huge adjustment. Uh, anything no. that I'm missing there about it that you think being remote will affect you? No, I mean, the only, the only thing is like the actual, like we talked about coaches turnover or something like that. And for the last four months, my coaches have been awesome. Um, haven't had any issues with my coaching staff, but really it being 2000 miles away, that is like my biggest concern. Um, but I haven't had to step in and take over any classes or anything thus far. And so I feel pretty confident with that, that my, that my coaching staff is, um, you know, uh, dedicated and passionate about what they're doing just as much as I am. And I have every faith in them that, um, that will continue in June. Okay. Now, prior to you stepping away a little bit, um, in, in January, as far as sales go, were you doing, um, sales consults? Um, does, does your gym in this iteration use any type of consult process when a new prospect comes in? Uh, and if so, how has that changed? Um, you know, most of that was just through me. I was coaching 95% of the classes when we would have people come in at the end of the night, I was, um, signing them up with their memberships or whatever. And, um, that is, that is one area that I truly, I feel like that is the last missing piece to me leaving. And I have two months to get some systems in play and get some training into my coaches so that from a business side that they are um, motivated and um, 
they they have an easy protocol to follow so that when people are coming in they are making a sale um none of my coaches are sales people they are not even focused on that and i need that to change just a little bit so that they they do know that like signing that person up right now before they leave is a priority and they are um, rewarded for that and motivated to do that. But yeah, currently that is like my, my missing piece in um, I think the gym really doing the best that it can. Okay, so right now when, when you have someone who's a prospect who's inquiring about a, a class or a trial or something like that, are, you, are those still getting funneled through you? Do you get an email, a text, to, a scheduling, something like that, when somebody is going to come in and try out the gym? Yes, all of the above. So they they reach out through me through either the chat widget or they call or email or whatever, you know, what some sort of communication primarily through the website. Um, and they communicate with me. I schedule their trial class and then I reach out to the coach and let them know they will have a trial class or, or so-and-so is coming in for their trial class. Um, and then I'm filing, I'm following up with that coach, um, and that, that prospect after the class. Okay. So as far as the adaptation that's going to be necessary, I agree, you know, having, you know, some, your, some or all of your trainers being able to sign up a new prospect, sell to some degree, certainly something that you're going to need to have in place. Um, one of the other things that I've seen um, some owners and even managers do um, as the world has transitioned, you know, as we sit here on Zoom right now for this, uh, this interview, I've seen some owners and managers start to take that process over Zoom. So somebody will reach out, they're interested, um, they have their website contact form or social media, and then whoever is actually doing the sales process will hop on a 15, 20, 30 minute Zoom call with the prospect, take them through goals, expectations, things like that, and actually take them through an entire sign up process, whether that's a trial or, uh, you know, pre-priced program or something like that over Zoom. Is that something you would ever see yourself doing or exploring to try to maintain a little bit of that uh, control and guidance with your sales process? Or do you want to be fully hands-off? Um, no, I think that, I honestly think that the, the least that my coaches have to be responsible for. Um, and the more that I can take on from a distance, I'm happy with. As long as I am owner of this gym and running it, I do wanna be hands-on. Mm -hmm. And if there is a way that I can do that, um, I could still control my own schedule. I could still schedule them on my time. There is a time difference of two hours. So I could, that is definitely something I could make work and something I would be interested in. Um, you know, yeah, I, I would be open to exploring that option. Yeah, it's, it's always one of the great things about the podcast is we get exposed to so many different things that, that owners are doing everywhere that I love being able to at least, you know, connect or, or point out that, hey, this, this may be something that could work for you. Not everything works for everybody, but uh, we do see some people 
Um, it's really trickled down from the world of the strictly online trainers. And I know for your business, it sounds like you don't want to really move into that online virtual world. You want to focus on your core offering of in-person, but a lot of these online trainers never, they don't have the opportunity to meet a client, but you know, they, they interact over social media that turns into a zoom call or a FaceTime or whatever the technology of choices. And, you know, they're transacting, you know, 500 or a thousand or several thousand dollars with, with somebody that has never seen them and they'll never meet. Uh, and they don't even have a facility. So the brick and mortar aspect of what you have uh, communicating with somebody who's in town, who may have driven by the facility or knows that you really exist, add some trust, add some credibility to it. And for their purpose, they don't know if you're in Pasco, Peoria, Phoenix, or Pluto. So it's a really neat way to be able to leverage that. And if you have trainers who currently are really great at training and are either not trained up on sales or not interested in sales, it gives you some flexibility in staffing that way too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for example, I have one um, 5 a.m. trainer who has to be to work by seven. And so if mm -hmm. she had to sit and give a, I don't want to say like sales speech, but like go through that and the person had a lot of questions or, you know, like lengthy goals that they wanted to talk about. I mean, she wouldn't have time to do that, um, you know, before she had to get out of there, lock up the gym and go get ready for, you know, her nine to five. So that would be a great option, um, you know, for that specific example right there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's just, you know, one more layer of flexibility that you can add on and still have, still have interactions, still know who, you know, who's signing up, who's not different, different ways that go there. And, you know, there's not a lot of good things that have come out of the pandemic, but um, if there's one, it's that almost everybody knows how to have a video meeting now and it's it's a lot more embraced than it was so there's something there um looking down the line let's say you know uh, a year two years however long it takes you you're established um you know in texas the gym is growing the gym is thriving um is there any point where you think you might want to have an actual like manager gm something like that on staff and if so what things would you want to keep under under your purview and which things do you think that you know you'd want that in-person employee to do if that's something you'd even even be interested in well i would i would totally be open to that um you know if the gym could grow and make it to where it it could afford to do that um i would love to have somebody there all day you know, calling leads, following up, doing like taking a lot of that off my plate, doing that on their work hours, and then also being able to meet in person for those who want to meet in person and see the gym. Um, I could keep for people who wanted to do, um, you know, like a virtual, I could, I could stay involved in that. Um, but yeah, if we ever got to the point where I could totally replace myself and have a, a GM or a manager at the gym, someone there um, all day long, that would be great. So you're not necessarily as married to the operations as you are to the culture, 
to the to the team building to the to the mission of the business you don't need to make every single um decision or or have your hands in it it's just right now that's where you are as a business yes right now that's where i need to be and in fact i mean my goal isn't to own wolfpack from 2000 miles away forever you know mm -hmm. i i I'm not a quitter. I'm a fighter. I, I mean, I think that's part of the MMA fighter in me is like, I'm not going to tap out until, you know, like it's going to break, you know, that's just, that's who I am. And so I was this close using my fingers to show you about an inch space, um, being able to do what I'm doing now when me and my husband decided it was in our best interest to leave Washington state and go to Texas and um, I couldn't just shut it down and leave. So I, my, I, I think my ultimate goal is to be able to build Wolfpack to where it is a, uh, a thriving business that can be sold. And basically I keep saying, you know, to myself that like as this gym owner for this gym that hasn't made a ton of money because every dime that it's made really has went back into it at some point or another, um, and I was lucky enough, you know, that my husband supported our family. So I considered it, you know, my expensive hobby that had every ounce of my passion and my dedication. And I just put so much emotionally into Wolfpack that I couldn't, I couldn't just walk away. And so being able to find a, somebody who would be interested in buying Wolfpack that was just as dedicated and it could keep, um, you know, I could basically sell this turnkey business and, basically the last six years plus a year or two more, seven or eight years, I could think of as an investment financially versus as a waste of time financially, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that turnaround happens so quickly and we see it so much to where, um, you know, you're, you've got a lot of things in place. And one of the biggest one is, is going to be if you can run the business remotely it's now not you know somebody buying it you know the clients as you said new clients don't know you and there's pros and cons to that and uh, we always care and, and want to know our members but you know if somebody is going to buy it they're buying the business they're not buying sarah and all the people who are there for you it's it's right. really different and it it makes it a much more sellable asset right and, you know those at that point don't need to have you know, $30,000 a month in gross profit to be sellable. It's sometimes a gym that's making a couple of thousand, but is remotely run is super attractive because people say, well, you know, I can, I can buy that and, you know, just turn around and, you know, run some advertisement or, or beef it up a little bit. And then I don't need to be there. It's just, it's just an investment at that point. And it, it starts to look a lot more attractive and, um, you know, whether you're moving away or not being, having it run without you being involved in everything all the time, huge, huge value add for somebody. So even though it may not have been the way you planned it, it certainly is going to add to that possibility. Right. Right. Well, and I knew just from like coaching, like I cannot, I couldn't duplicate myself and my classes never worked when I just allowed somebody to come in and kind of do their own thing, you know, like another MMA fighter, they come in and do a kickboxing class or a grappling class and, everybody hated it. Nobody went, everybody only came to my classes anyway. So I learned, you know, like, well, I can't duplicate myself. So I have to find a duplicatable 
program and then I can coach the coaches to do that program and you know that's what that's essentially what I've done and so anybody could step in as long as they had dedication and passion and you know business sense um and, and basically take over take it over and and do what I'm doing and and you know if they have more time and energy and money and to put into marketing and growth then the sky is the limit for it you know fantastic love to hear that we're getting near the end of our time, which I don't love, but um, we know what's going on with that. The question burning in my mind here is, is what's next? You're going to be in Texas. You're going to need to dedicate some time to running Wolfpack remotely. Um, are you going to open another gym? Are you going to train somewhere? Do you, I mean, once it's in your blood, it's hard to get it out. So have you started to think about what you might do uh, once you do relocate? Um, I swear that's all I've been thinking about. We were just in Texas for the last two weeks and, you know, I've been for since January 18th. Now I have been in a cast and in a boot. I had a pretty major surgery done on my foot. Um, you know, December, the month of December, we were redoing our gym, like completely, like I said, gutted it, revamped it. Um, and so I wasn't training much in the month of December. Prior to that, my foot was so jacked up, I wasn't training. I mean, so it's been like a long time. Like I felt like an athlete, you know, that, that, oh my, pick yourself up, sweaty, bloody off the floor with that just overwhelming feel of accomplishment, you know, like um, I can't wait to start working out again. I can't wait to um, see what Sulphur Springs, Texas has to offer me. I have a friend who trains in Dallas at Fortis MMA. And, um, you know, it's been a while, but even when I was fighting professionally here in the Tri-Cities before, I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a team. Um, I don't know. I might have a little bit of burning desire to see what I got left in the tank um in the MMA world um definitely want to get back to lifting you know like and and I mean what I love about CrossFit is the environment you know like every every workout for me was a competition because I wanted to I know you're only supposed to compete with yourself but that's not I don't think that's really in real competitors mind you you know you're trying to do better than the person next to you and that drive and that um, that competitive feel just for an hour every day is, is, is how I thrive. It's how my body ticks, you know, and I need that. And so I can't wait to get back to a point physically where I can be a true competitor, whether it's in MMA, whether it's just in an hour of CrossFit daily, um, or what that is. So I guess my first focus when I get back to, or when I get to Sulphur would be to get to a place where I really feel in shape and um, competitive again, along with, of course, running Wolfpack remotely. Um, and then after that, who knows? But I don't think I see owning a gym in my future because of what it takes, um, what you have to put into it to get it off the ground. You know, I would have to build a staff. I don't know anybody there in Sulphur Springs. My kids are now 11 and seven, and they're very active. They're always playing sports. Um, you know, I, I want, they are my first priority. And so coaching classes in the evening after not seeing my kids all day at school is just not something that I'm willing to entertain or really motivated to do. 
Um, but I, I could see myself maybe teaching some classes at an already established gym. That could be a possibility, but I don't know. I guess my first focus is just back to myself. It's been a really long time since I put my own fitness first, um, you know, behind my kids and my family, it's always been the gym or the classes. And so I think that's my first, my first line of business is to get, get back to who I am when I get to Sulphur Springs. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of, a lot of potentially rewarding options in front of you. I think that it sounds like, you know, getting out of that boot is going to be, you know, like the freedom that you, you didn't know that you may have been missing. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, with that initial hit of getting back to training, getting back into it will really help to shape where you're going to go with it. You know, that sounds like that competitive fire is still in you. And, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to take advantage of that for a little while, then it sounds like that'll be, that'll be very fulfilling. And then you kind of take things as they go, right. Spend time with the family, uh, figure sure. out you know, yeah. how much, how much you're going to have to dedicate to Wolf, Wolfpack and then, um, you know, do whatever the passion leads you towards. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, we are just about officially out of time here. The last thing I do want to get for our listeners out there, uh, if they want to find you, find Wolfpack, um, find out more information, what are your handles, website, social media, all that stuff? How do they find you? Um, Wolfpackfit.net is the website. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Wolfpackfit.wa is is the link to find me. Awesome. Well, I greatly appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure having you on. Again, I I, uh, I really appreciate you uh, fighting through some connection issues and being on here with this weird storm there in Washington in mid-April. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, you guys, it's, it's, it's weird. But anyway, uh, Sarah, it's been a pleasure having you. I wish you continued success. Good luck with the move, with the training. Um, yeah, just keep being a badass. Oh, thanks, Tom. Same to you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to have me on and doing what you do to help gym owners every day. We, we sure try. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Uh, we hope you found value and inspiration in hearing Sarah. If you want to hear more people like her, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Gym Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Gym Lords Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with DeAnthony from Athletics, Sports, and Performance in Miami, Florida. What's up, DeAnthony? How are you today? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. All right. Can't complain. <laughs> all right. That's good. I am doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. All right. So let's waste no time getting into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? Oh man, what made me want to open up? Two things. One, you know, I feel like a lot of people that get into the business, you realize that um, uh, financials aren't going to be your your first and foremost like thought process. Uh, usually, it, it it came from the basis of really just wanting to help people. However, the avenue that I ended up taking through sport and performance was to help youth and really try to focus on getting kids to college right through their athletic capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I would say like that, that's what led me to the field. And that's kind of what drove it home. And then on top of that, as I worked from company to company, trying to develop their outreach, as well as their community programs, I was noticing that there was just a gap that was missing from the client to coach in that community, like standpoint. So I'd worked for some, some, some companies that ended up failing in the end that kind of pushed me into the position to start my own. Okay. All right. So that's good having those experiences prior to owning your own facility, because a lot of times you learn what not to do. And that's even more valuable than what to do in a lot of cases. So um, good to have that foundation for sure. But now what is your business model look like currently? Are you doing group classes, semi-privates, one-on-ones? How do you structure things within your business today? So the way it is today, we have two divisions. We have our sport performance division as well as our human performance division. The sport performance division breaks down into one-on-one athletic development for youth, high school, college, as well as well as professional athletes. And then we have our group concept, which is more of our college prep program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the human performance division, we have that is our personal training. We kind of just focused there for the last year and a half recently, probably two or three months ago, we started to do semi-private classes. We won't go to the full class structure just because I feel like the coach's attention to detail is at its highest when it's less than six athletes or six clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two divisions we have now. And then we're bringing in a sport medicine division to kind of make us an integrated health and wellness uh, facility. Got it. Okay. All right. Awesome. So mostly uh, one-on-ones and semi-privates, no yeah. groups larger than six. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. And how many athletes are you currently serving at the facility? Across the board or like college or high school or professional? Uh, across the board. I would say less less than 100 for sure mm-hmm. um, on a consistent basis. But during the summertime, that number is definitely closer towards that. Um, okay. And then okay. there is a crossbreeding of athletes, you know, from high, high school to college and college to the professional league. And then from the professional standpoint, not just in-state professional we do work with international professional players as well okay and so the thing with athletics a lot of the time that we see is that it's very seasonal so do you have spikes of large amounts of people within the facility and then lower times is that something that you tend to experience definitely yeah in in this in this field especially with like sport performance and athletic development 
usually you get from March until late August to work with the most amount of athletes, right? So mm -hmm. meaning the most amount of clientele as well, just because it's right after, you know, their, their spring games and leading up into some of their spring games. And then kids are out for the summer in May. And then your high school kids come out in June. And then our NBA players are out right after June and July and August prepping for their camps, as well as NFL athletes. Uh, so from March to August is probably like our peak six months. And then usually from August, September until, you know, that back end starting of March is usually like our quieter time frame where we try to focus on building our human performance division as well. So it's kind of like take your peaks, keep your remaining because you do get some human performance clients as well during right. that time frame, especially mm -hmm. if you leverage your social media platform dur during that time frame. Right. Absolutely. So now the human performance side of things is more so like the general population training or yes. okay yes. okay um because that's always good when you have one side that's more of a specialty to provide that stability you know having a, a general fitness side of things to provide the stability for when maybe it's not your yeah. athletes aren't in season they're not training with you consistently that's um, what pays the bills exactly yes absolutely definitely uh an important aspect of the business to be able to rely on on a monthly basis absolutely so now as far as getting the word out there about what it is that you do to help more people what does marketing look like for you how are you letting people know that you're there okay so <laughs> i have all we have gotten to this stage uh uh spiting our, ourselves really so um, prior to maybe two or three months ago, we didn't really do any kind of marketing or advertising, mm -hmm. right? I wanted to focus on trying to grow it as a private facility, especially during that COVID timeframe. Mm -hmm. You weren't really able to, you know, advertise that you guys were open. So we kind of just went the grassroots route. The, mm -hmm. You're allowed in through referral only and really try to drive in the privacy of the facility during that timeframe. Once it was over, I guess you you would say, we kind of left it that way, right? And decided to not try to grow any faster than one, what we could handle with our coaching staff, just mm -hmm. because our coaching staff did decline during the COVID timeframe. Um, so I felt like I didn't want to fail through, through success, right? And take on more clients than we actually could serve at a higher level. Um, so Honestly, we just started doing marketing and advertising and we're not even really good at it. We're not even really good at it. We haven't really, you know, we're doing more of the community events and projects trying to trying to raise more of that local awareness by physically seeing us as opposed to, you know, doing the social media posts and the, you know, the Facebook and the, and the leads and the, you know, the, the blog and whatnot. Although we understand that that's important. We're just not there yet. Got it. Okay. So as far as the advertising that you are doing now through social media, are you doing paid advertising at all or is it more organic? More organic. It's all organic. We're posting, we're having our coaches post. More importantly, we're tagging our clients. You know, some of the professional athletes reposted, the college athletes posted, you know, but really where we've seen the most feedback is when we're tagging, and this was the last place we went to, is when we were tagging our doctors and our lawyers and our dentists of our area that then reposted it to 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 their group of peers which in reality is the demographic that we're trying to get to 
on, on a year round basis. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, like granted having a professional athlete repost you may help with your platform. It might even drive in a couple of college kids or high school kids that want to work out in that environment. But when you're talking about year round finances and not a seasonal like flux of money, mm -hmm. having a dentist reposted is just as, you know, beneficial to ha having a professional athlete repost you. Right. Absolutely. So now when we talk about trackable growth, that stuff's really hard to track. Yes. As far uh, yes. as like, Absolutely. where are these leads coming from? How many did we generate from a lawyer or a dentist reposting us? Uh, how many, how many leads did we generate from getting out into the community and, you know, just being present within the community. How many leads are we generating from that? So those things are great. However, we can't really rely on them on a monthly basis to generate a certain amount of leads for the business. Um, now, with that being said, is paid advertising something that you have considered or are interested in implementing? Um, just because typically that is a huge step for most gym owners as far as growth goes, you know, myself included, that was where things really actually started to take off. Now, obviously there are things that come into play there as far as making sure you're getting a return on your ad spend, you know, and that you're profitable in acquisition. That's huge as well. Um, but I mean, is that a direction you're kind of considering heading whether it be now or in the future it is I, I think it's definitely more of a future uh pivoting point that we want to get towards mm -hmm. for us it was especially the way that i designed to bring on staff was limited amount of staff and because we are a private facility and the classes aren't big it's not that it's not like we need to have a 30 person class i think if we ever get to that point where we are doing the 30 person classes, then absolutely, because then you're trying to generate as much awareness as possible. Right. The hard position that I've been in is due to the, the demographic that's in there, you know, and the privacy that they sometimes request and prefer. And then how I match that with the, um, the amount of money that they're spending due to mm -hmm. that privacy, I have to carefully balance the clientele that we then bring in after that right so like that's kind of where we try to use the platform to project to more people during the summer time frame and then but that projection is towards a very specific group of people because it is private and there isn't uh much room for class and we're not a a membership-based facility where people can come in like a ufit or an la fitness or a gold's gym Mm -hmm. uh, to where like when you come in, you are going to be with the performance coach, right? Whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or semi-private to where like it's kind of curved the need for expedited growth, right? And the way that I bring on staff members is we try to fill everyone's book up. Then we'll try to bring on a, another performance coach. And then we jet, we focus everything on them unless specifically ask for another coach. You know, that way, every coach that we bring on understands and knows that all business that comes through that door, as long as they match from a personality standpoint, that business is going to be driven directly towards them. Mm -hmm. So like we do want to advertise and market to the area before I had to your to answer your question. I had done it before with like Facebook ads, as well as some, uh, I believe it was Instagram ads as well. I just wasn't able to track conversion. 
You know, like I was mm -hmm. getting a lot of e emails and contacts and phone numbers, and I wasn't able to either reach the client or they never responded. So I, I felt, you know, kind of torn between would I just rather, you know, spend more money on a, a regular mailer that gets sent out to your local area? Uh, because instead of projecting to the entire city of Miami, I've decided to project towards um, specific demographics within the Miami area, certain neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where I felt like uh, the clientele that we already catered to lived. So right. I kind of created like a spider web and a map that showed me where the clients that we had lived and then targeted those areas. Right. That's what I used to do on Facebook. Was it's like it was it like Facebook leads or what was it with? Yeah, with advertising on advertising, Facebook, okay. targeting specific communities, specific zip codes, literally uh, within the area. Were you able to track that stuff on like conversion from like getting a contact to a sign up to an email to a, a tour to a, a client? Was there was there like a funneling system that they had? So, I mean, as long as you have a system in place for lead nurture, you can track, you know, how many leads that you have and then how many people, the three things that really matter are how many leads do you have, how many actually show up and then how many you actually sell. Absolutely. Those are the three most important ones. So as long as you have a system in place for lead nurture to actually get people in the door and most companies don't, you know, not only gyms, just companies in general, most companies have no systems in place for lead nurture. So it's like, there are people interested, but they're not coming in the door, you know, yeah. and if they don't come in the door, obviously you're not selling them into a membership and it's like, well, what's the point, right? So that's a huge gap. A lot of the time, there are no systems in place for lead nurture. I, I, I definitely feel, feel that because I don't see it often around here. And it was just something that I struggled with to bring someone from prospect to client, you know? Right. Um, and then because we didn't do any kind of marketing or, or advertising, it's not like we're a, you know, commercial gym where people are coming in to join the gym. You know, right. they're either directly looking for us mm -hmm. or we have to do something to get out in front of people. And right. because I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to take everything in, I kind of held back and just grew as slowly as I could without taking any backward steps, Yeah, you know, which has its pros, but it definitely has a lot of cons as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about like community events and stuff like that are, it's great to be able to get out there into the community, but then I look at time and money the same, you know, and it's like time is even more valuable than money because it's the only thing you can't get back, absolutely. you know? So it's like, you're spending time out at these events when you could be training clients. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the thing that always kills me is like a lot of people have no problem going to community events and spending their whole day there to maybe acquire one or two clients, like if you're lucky, um, when you could have something just working in the background for you and you could be on the floor training your clients making money. Definitely. You know? And obviously helping people as well at the same time. Yeah. Um, also, the name of the game is to make some money. Got to pay those bills. That, that's those right. Bills. If your doors aren't open, you're not helping anybody, right? Yeah. So it's a, that's a, a huge, huge uh, piece of importance there. Um, but you know, that's why I always like to have some type of like an inbound lead 
source always going, always running in the background. And I think it's important to have multiple poles in the water as far as the lead generation game goes, you know, having your referrals, your word of mouth, those are fantastic. But then also having something like Facebook advertising, Google advertising on top of your organic posts and whatnot, just to have multiple streams of people coming in because sometimes one thing dips down. Maybe one month you don't get a lot of referrals, but then you've got something else to fall back on, you know? Um, so that's why I love that stuff so much. But, you know, with that being said, there are also other ways to grow a business. You know, we can get more clients. We can get the clients to pay more that we have within the facility by providing them higher levels of service, whether that be nutrition, accountability, supplementation, retail, whatever it is, there are other ways to provide higher levels of service. And then also keeping our clients longer. You know, it's a lot yes. cheaper Attention to keep a client than it is to acquire a new client, Absolutely. right? So multiple ways there. And as far as the second piece goes, providing other levels of service, um, are there any other services that you're providing to the clients that are in your facility? So what, what we've done recently in, in, in our attempt to make it more of an integrated healthcare facility or health and wellness facility rather, is we've partnered with um, a physical therapy clinic, as well as a chiropractor, as well as a massage therapist, as well as an IV treatment, right? Four different companies that will be partners in the, the coming ventures of athletics to now not make us a one-stop shop uh, per se, but to provide the max amount of uh, avenues for our clients to improve their health and wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, as well as a cafe. We also are partnering with the cafe. That way the clients... You come in, you're able to do any kind of adjustments. Your massage therapist is there. Massage therapy scheduling is available to you, IV, your recovery, your athletic development, or your group classes. And then as well, you can grab a you know a smoothie on, on the way out. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to improve the experience of the client is how we I feel like you can improve your revenue, one, but also improve your reputation as well. You know, like when, when someone comes in, we, we spent a lot of time over the last two years really focusing on building, you know, I, I know it's a buzzword nowadays, but the culture of the facility is mm -hmm. one where now I feel comfortable with people coming in at any point in time, I know that they're not going to leave, right? So like right. our client retention is probably one of our key, our, our key points in our, in our company mm -hmm. is the fact that when we get a client, you're married to us now for, for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um but now it's now that we've got the client, how, how can we improve their experience? Right. Absolutely. And constantly keeping that in mind leads to that long retention. I mean, average lifetime value of a client is typically between three and six months, you know, wow. uh, within the industry. So, you know, if you're doing better than that, then you're doing something right. So that's fantastic. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of gyms kind of get into a system where they're acquiring a few people a month on the front end, but then losing the same amount on the back end, you know, so they're not ever able to kind of break that barrier of growth. Definitely. So providing those higher levels of service, that's what separates you from everybody else, you know, so big, big difference there. Um, now, as far as goals go, I always like to talk about the big picture. I like to call it the unicorn goal, like in a perfect world, what would your gym look like? I know you said earlier, you're looking to open other facilities down mm -hmm. the road. So uh, what does the big picture look like for you? 
big picture is to um, be on the same stage um, as a company called Exos. Have you ever heard of a company called Exos? I feel like I have. So they are they are a a very diverse um, health and wellness sport performance facility. Um, I believe they're more of one of a kind um, just because they did get their platform from their professional athlete standpoint. Mm -hmm. However, they backdoored that platform into government contracts, corporate contracts. They really started when they got their Google contracts. So Google works 15 years ago, maybe had a contract with that company and that's how they got that first really big push. And mm -hmm. then they propelled their athlete platform and whatnot. Um, they, they're probably, uh the company that i look at the most that i want to compete with at on a bigger scale okay bigger scale. so that's the company that i'm saying is going to look like the most you know very athletically uh driven mm -hmm. however the base concept is the improvement of you know health wellness as well as the quality of life right absolutely so what's it going to take to get there money money <laughs> money so really, I have to, I have to, um, you know, like everyone wishes that an investor would just come in and save you and propel you across the country. But it's really the things that I've been looking at recently, especially with some of my clients who do VC um, in, in investing, it's, it's what makes a company either acquirable, right, or a company worth investing in to take a part of because you can see that that company is going to excel, right? So basically the word is like scalability is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? How can you look at a company and see that it is scalable, right? What does the infrastructure look like? What is, you know, uh, you know the, the marketing strategy? What is, you know, their, the clientele that they're after? Is the clientele that they're after, is there a real market for that stuff? Um, you know, so trying to figure out the, the, the structured points on how the company needs to work and flow, right? The culture portion, you, could, you have to develop in person, right? That's very, you know, character driven as well as the individuals within the facility. Mm -hmm. um, but the infrastructure as well as the flow of the company, you know, there has to be a market for it outside of just what that person says. And I feel like a lot of times in, in privately owned businesses, owners get focused on what they think they see, right? Yes. Maybe not what necessarily is out there. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that, you know, if, if I were just only focused on professional athletes, that eliminates well over 99 percent of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, making sure that the structure of the company could receive an accelerated push forward without any breaks. Right. Uh, and then being able to simulate that over and over and over, take control of my local market, you know, within the Miami area, which realistically, if you had, you know, four gyms in Florida alone, I would consider that a very successful company. Yeah, um, absolutely. However, because we do have a nonprofit community outreaching arm, we do want to work within major cities around the country, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that, you know, money is, would, would be the key to everything if I had enough of it, but really making sure that the company is structured in a way to where we do get that accelerating push forward. We won't fail under the weight of our own success. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Structure and, you know, you can't build a house on sand. So absolutely. making sure that every everything is uh, in place before taking off with that level of growth, but then also keeping in mind, you know, 
making it attractive to people who might invest in it. I don't think a lot of uh, gym owners really think about that. You know, they don't really think about like, how can I make this gym potentially sellable? You know, you know, I think it's because we gym owners, I'm not gonna say we, but gym owners get attached to their image yes. you know, of that gym. Right. And mm -hmm. I've, I've been a big uh, promoter of the idea over the image, right? The idea mm -hmm. of what athletics is defeats the image behind athletics and the person that pushes it, you yeah. know, and, and if it takes you giving up some ownership to push that agenda forward so that idea can, you know, cross that state line and go to other places, so be it. You know, I'm not, I'm not so uh, attracted or addicted to my own image growing. Mm -hmm. um, although I know in the world that we live in now, some people are trying to tie that to their business I just don't think that that has to be the case. You know, I might be fighting an uphill battle, but I'd rather, you know, die on this hill than, you know, another one. Right. Yeah. And it definitely doesn't have to be the case. And a lot of times it actually complicates things and makes that next level of growth challenging because a lot of times if you are so tied, your image and your person is so tied to the business, it holds the business back. Because when you're not there, it doesn't yeah. function the same. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of people who open businesses with their name struggle to reach that next level of growth. Yeah. If you put your name on it, that's just, it, 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 I, I used to say it was weird, but now I found it like, you know, that might be disrespectful. It's just, <laughs> you know, but like if, if, if you, if you sign up for, you know, John James fitness, I kind of want to be trained by John James. If I right. walk in there and someone else is training me, I'm just like, ah, this ain't what I signed up for. You know, right. I'm like, yo, if you sign up for athletics, you're going in with the idea of, you don't have a name to attach to anything. Exactly. You just come in with, you know, I'm training at athletics. I'm training at, you know, a sport performance facility. This is what we're doing. This is how they do it. I think that, you know, that changes what your company can become. Yes. You know, I, I think, 100%. you know, doing it any other way, it's just, just going to make it a tougher battle. Especially if I put my name on it. Ah. Yeah, Plus, I try to drive the fact that like, once you do that, your ego gets attached, if it becomes successful to any degree And Miami fitness is huge down here. Oh, yeah, you know, like, ego, ego is going to kill a lot of companies. And I feel like if I can just swallow my pride long enough, you know, and get five or six other people that are not ego driven company could take over the city, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely an important thing to keep in mind. And, um, it's like, even if you want to take time off or like take a vacation or anything, even like smaller than, than just growing the business and, and whatnot, it makes it really hard to do that. So I think that that's a, a good piece of advice for somebody who is considering kind of doing their own thing. Don't put your name on it yeah, <laughs> unless you want to live in the gym and, yeah, and yeah. make it your and entire you're there, life. You're there forever. You're there forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Oh, man. So uh, so social media name is Mr. Athletics, believe it or not. Uh, and then the gym's uh, uh, handle is Athletics Miami. Um, and then we're the same setup on Facebook, you know, LinkedIn. Um, what else is out there? We're going to start a YouTube channel. Apparently, we're going to start a YouTube okay. channel that just came out in our, in our team meeting today as some, something that, that can benefit us, you know, and then we have like summer ed educational associates. And, you know, those are going to be the individuals that are going to be, uh, I don't know if it's a burden or blessed with the opportunity to grow our social media awareness, but we're going to be on like TikTok and 
Snapchat and stuff like that. But like, I try to stay as removed from that stuff as possible. Yeah. And I, I you know, let the youth handle it, let them drive, <laughs> give them their, let them have their creative juices to push their agendas forward. You know, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't disturb the message of what we're trying to put out there. Right. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned TikTok, that advertising is heading in that direction. So it's, so it's, I used to be very against it, but now I realize that you have to accept it is what it is. Yeah. Go with the flow. I don't have to be involved. That's the difference. You don't have to be involved, but you do need someone, preferably someone who's more hip to it, be the pusher and the driver behind it. Yes, absolutely. All righty. Awesome. So DeAnthony from Athletics sports and performance in miami thank you so much for taking the time to join us today it's been awesome having you on the show thank you really appreciate it absolutely to all the listeners out there make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show in the meantime keep killing it out there and we'll catch you on the flip side jim lords out thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free one, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.